Well, the book of Romans is about the gospel. And the word gospel simply means good news. And in the first 17 verses of chapter 1, Paul goes into an elaborate explanation of the gospel. But then when you get to verse 18, he stops talking about the good news because it's only good news if you know the bad news. If, if they're passing out parachutes on a plane, if the pilot comes on and says, not to worry, we have a parachute for everyone. The flight attendants will move down the aisles, make sure you get one, and you will land safe. People's response would be, what do I need a parachute for? And then the pilot would say, oh, by the way, the plane's going down. So, so it's good news because of the bad news. Here's the truth of the matter. Most people in the world are unaware of the condition that they're in, which is the bad news. Beginning at verse 18 and going through verse 32 of chapter 1, last week we looked at the first kind of person and their ignorance about their situation. We could call them, as a group, defiant rebels. Now imagine... You get, this, you get this letter, you're in this little church at Rome, and you get this letter. And, and some of you have come to believe in Jesus, but many of you haven't. And, and there's different kinds of people. So Paul, as he goes through, beginning at verse 18 of chapter 1, and all the way through chapter 3, verse 9, he identifies three different kinds of people who are unrighteous. The first group probably knows they're unrighteous. They're the rebels. They're defiant. They ignore God. And here's what Paul says. As a result of that, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. In other words, it's not that wrath that's coming later. It's the wrath now. It's here. And, and here's how it shows up. Number one, as you turn away from God, as you ignore God, here's God's response to it. He's going to resist you. He's going to resist you. We said, you're not going to change his mind. You're not going to wear him down. He's going to resist you. And then, and then here's the other thing with regard to this wrath of God that's revealed from heaven, you're going to get the consequences of all of your bad choices. In other words, if you want to live like a prodigal, here's what you need to know. You're going to end up in the pigsty. It may, not, it may not happen today or tomorrow or a week from now, but we said this last week, sin never ends well, ever. It always, leads, it always leads to a deterioration in you, but also in the culture, in, in the society in which you live. And so, and so God's resistance to evil and then His allowing 
people, cultures, societies, states, nations, the world, to experience the consequences. Here's what that means. If you continue ignoring God and living the way that you want and doing whatever you think, I, I call it the Jack Nicholson. I call it the Jack Nicholson uh, unrighteous person. Why? Because Jack Nicholson says, I want to do what I want to do anytime I want to do it. No matter what God thinks, I'm just going to do what I, I'm making my own rules. Here's what God says. It's not going to turn out well. And so by the time you get to the end of chapter 1, you, you see this downward spiral. You see, you see the impact of the darkness. It just gets darker and darker and darker. And that's happened over and over again in history. Even to nations where the gospel came. Even to individuals. Even to families. It's always amazing. You'll read about families who have a great legacy of faith, and then one day, one of the children, or two, or three, turn away from God. And then you see this downward spiral, not just of those individuals, but of the family itself. And there's, a, there's an incredible list, which we'll go through in just a minute, in chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. 21 sins. <laughs> there's 21 sins mentioned there. And, and these rebels, they don't all practice all of them, but some of them practice all of them. And, and so as you're reading it, you're, you're saying, wow. And then you get to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, Paul introduces another kind of unrighteous person. And he's not as blatant. He's not as flamboyant. She, in fact, from the outside... She looks okay. He looks okay. And, and so that's how chapter 2 opens. Look at chapter 2, the very first verse. He says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now we're going to be introduced not to the rebel, but to the moralist. To the moralist. And, and, and here's the chief characteristic of a moralist. This is how they think. They actually think they're better than other people. Do you know there's a little bit of moralist in most of us? We're kind of bred to be moralists, aren't we? We're bred to be good little boys and girls. We're bred to behave a certain way. We're, we're, we're bred. And, and, and the moralist can be you know, either liberal or conservative. The liberal moralist is concerned with social ethics. The conservative moralist is concerned with personal ethics. And, and by the way, they think the other one's wrong. Do you know, they, there was a study, listen to this, it's a study out of the University of London. And in the study, the researchers discovered that 90% of, of people believe they are more just, more virtuous, and more moral than everybody else. Oh, and by the way, 
they also think they're more modest than everyone else. You know what I call it? It's, I don't know if you ever listened to uh, Prairie Home Companion a long time ago. Garrison Keillor created this fictitious place called Lake Wobegon. And, and, and here was the catchphrase. In Lake Wobegon, all the women are strong, all the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. And, and that's, that's the lay, Lake Wobegon effect in the world. I don't know if you know this, but all of us think we're better than most other people. That's the honest-to-goodness truth, most of us. And, 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 and we kind of justify it like this. We say, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. And we can always find someone who's worse off than us. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of this little church gathering, and there's a, there's a rebel in the group, and there's a moralist in the group, and, and imagine if they live in the same neighborhood. Imagine, imagine if, if a moralist is living next door to a rebel. He's listening to Paul in chapter 1. He's going, absolutely. I don't know what's wrong with that guy. He plays music all night. He comes and goes. People are coming and going. He never cuts his grass. He has no regard for anybody else. He might be selling drugs. Who else? What else does he do? And he's, he's going, and, and, then, and then here's what he says. And this is the key to a moralist. I would never do that. I would never do that. And so he says, how could he do that? I can't believe you did that. You can always tell a moralist because a moralist, you know what a moralist is? A moralist is a one-upper. <laughs> you know what a one-upper is? It's, it's the person that's always one up on everyone else. Well, here's, here's what Paul says. He, says. he says, you may appear on the outside as if you're moral, but in fact, you are practicing the same things. So we have to go back to that list of, of 21 things. Listen, verse 29, here's, here's some of them. Th these are the rebels. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to par parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. So the smug, self-righteous, moralist hypocrite says, I'm none of those things. Oh, really? Really? So Paul would say, have you ever been envious of somebody else? Have you ever coveted what someone else had? Have you ever started an argument? Have you ever been in strife with someone? Have you ever gossiped? <laughs> Have you ever talked behind someone's back and tore them down? Have you ever slandered someone? That guy's a jerk. Have you ever been boastful? Because, because moral, moralists are very boastful. If not to other people, at least in their head. 
Have you ever been foolish? Have you ever been faithless? Have you ever been heartless? So Paul says, Paul says, you're judging others and you're doing some of the same things. Look at verse 2. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So we talked about this in the kids' message. God is just. And, and, and God is going to judge. Now, in, in chapter 1, the wrath of God is being revealed, as I told you how, because God's resisting and he's letting people get the consequences. Here in chapter 2, the justice of God is actually, is actually being put off. And, and God is allowing people to build up their own record. That, that's what this is. And, and he says, the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So, so people are getting the justice of God, the one that's being revealed from heaven now, and then someday, everyone is going to be judged based on these kinds of practices. Verse 3, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who pra uh, practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? And then look at verse 4. This is, this is what the moralist is doing. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You know what he's saying here? He's saying, God is being kind. If God were to really unleash his justice, all of us would be dead by tonight. If God punished today just on justice, and he removed his kindness, his forbearance, and patience. The, see, the moralist, here's, here's Paul's message to the moralist. You need to take a really good, honest look at yourself. You need to look in the mirror. You need to understand that you're far from perfect. You may be better than some people in some areas, but you're nowhere near the person that God intended for you to be. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and here's what should happen to you. When you take a good self-examination of yourself, you should say, Oh my, I just realized how kind God is. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know if there's a week that goes by in my life when the kindness of God doesn't just hit me like a ton of bricks. Because because I know myself. I, I know John Unleashed is not good for anybody. And yet, in spite of it, God loves me. He's patient with me. For, forbearance, you know what that is? It means, it means he puts up with my disobedience. He doesn't excuse it. He puts up with it. 
He puts up with it in the same way a loving father would put up with a disobedient child. So that, so that at one point, the child would say, my father is so kind to me, and I need, I need to stop thinking of myself in such a high-fashioned way. That's, that's presuming on the riches of God. He says, not knowing that God's kindness is meant, you, meant to lead you to repentance. What is the repentance? You know what repentance is? Changing your mind. That's all it is. <laughs> the kindness of God is meant to, to come to you and for you to undergo a paradigm shift in your head. And this is the paradigm shift for the moralist. Wow. I thought I was much better than I was. Instead of repenting, verse 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Do you know that in Revelation 20, at the end of Revelation 20, there is the last judgment of God. And all three groups, the rebels, the moralists, and the religious people, they're all going to be represented at the great white throne judgment. And, and here's, here's what it says. Everyone's going to appear before the judge, and the judge is going to be Jesus Christ. And, and the judgment, it's interesting there, because it says, and the books were opened, and the book was opened. So, so here's what's interesting. There are books, and there's a book. And the book of life has all of the people who have accepted the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now what happened? Well, let's talk about the books. Did you know that every thought, every word, every deed, every attitude, every action... That, that a person without Christ has ever done is recorded. And, and not just the record of their deeds, but a record of their, their morality. It actually starts like this. Um, what did you believe to be true and good? What did you believe to be moral. And then, and then all the people that didn't do that to you, that didn't treat you that way, those records are in there. And then your response to that. What was your response when you felt... For, let, let, let's, let's use an example. Do you believe that a person should be patient and loving? You believe that? Yes, I believe that. Has anyone ever treated you in a harsh, impatient way? Well, as a matter of fact, yes, my wife did this week. <laughs> or my husband did this week. Probably better. Yes. And what did you think about that? How'd you respond to that? Well, it was wrong. 
It was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. I can't believe they did it. Okay. So you, you think people should be patient and loving. At times, people haven't been patient and loving with you, and you respond by judging them, right? Yes. Did you have a right to judge them? Absolutely. Okay, last question. Have you ever been unloving and impatient? And I think that record is longer. I think there are more sheets in the books on you being unloving and impatient than people mistreating you. That's what the books are. And, and sometimes people say, well, why is God going to send people to hell for not believing in Jesus when they never had the message of Jesus? And the answer is, he's not. Because <laughs> he's just. He would be unjust to do that, right? He'd be unjust to do that. But because there are these books that exist, it doesn't matter if you're in the jungle or the inner city or sitting in church or a mosque or a synagogue. You have this moral code inside of you. And here's what you're going to be judged for. If, if you were raised under the Scriptures, if you were raised under the law, then you'll be judged for whatever you derived from that teaching that formed your moral code. However, if you didn't have that, you still have some kind of moral code inside of you. You still have a sense of right and wrong, of, of when you are violated especially. And here's what Romans 20 says. They were judged according to their deeds. And that's, that's what verse 5 is. Because of your hard and impenitent... Instead of responding in repentance to the kindness of God, they actually, their hearts are hardened. You know the danger of hearing truth? You know what the danger of hearing truth is? If you hear truth and you don't respond to it, your heart actually gets harder. <laughs> you become more stubborn. That's what hardens your heart. What hardens your heart is truth spoken to you and you're ignoring it. So there's this, there's this book of deeds and, and people are going to be judged. Listen to verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Listen, because what I just told you, here's, here's how Paul explains it. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. Now, when you read that at first, you might say to yourself, wait a minute, wait. Are you telling me now that I can get eternal life by the deeds that I do? And the answer is, it, it just depends on your motivation. It depends on what's driving it. 
You see, Paul is assuming if you're justified, you will be in the process of being sanctified. And, and to be in the process of sanctified means those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Here's what happens. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you know what happens? All of the records in the books are eliminated. And the only and, and your name is lifted from the books to the book of life. And everyone whose name is in the book of life has all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And, and how did they get that way? They got that way by faith. They actually believed that Jesus died for them and that God will give them eternal life and that God will forgive them. And, and, and that was repentance. They were like, whoa! That's amazing! And then the last verse is, for God shows no partiality. I saw a phrase as I was studying this week. I saw a phrase I'd never seen before. And the phrase comes from Romans 1.5 and Romans 15.8. Listen to what it says. Paul is talking about his own ministry, and he says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all, the, among all the nations. You catch that phrase? The obedience of faith. See, the moralist or the religious person, they're not being obedient because of faith. They're not, they're not being obedient because they're trusting Christ with all of their life. They're being obedient to win brownie points, to get the gold star, to prove that they're good enough. And here's, here's what Paul says. That is, that is foolishness. That's futility. Listen to Romans 15, 18. Pretty much the same thing. So Paul starts with it, ends with it. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Did you hear that? So the person who is seeking eternal life understands that what they're doing is what Christ is doing through them. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. That's how Paul saw his ministry. That's what the gospel does. The gospel is not a decision that you make. It's not a prayer that you pray. One of the things I used to do in my church in Naperville was I would ask people at the end of the service, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I said, if you would, look up at me right now. And... <laughs> Many people would look up, especially at a funeral. Here's the thing. Some of those looks were genuine, and some weren't. And the way that you tell whether or not you have been justified, that you really believed what God said, and you weren't just looking for fire insurance, the way... The way 
that you know that it's genuine is the first thing that happens to you is you love God and you hate sin. I hate sin. You know what sin I hate the most? The one still residing in me. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I offend God. That's how, that's how you know you're a believer. That's how you know that you have really received the gospel. So here's, here's my challenge for you this morning. I can say it this way. I come from a long line of moralists. <laughs> so it, it takes one to know one. My, my family, we were bred to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and tough it out. So I know what I'm talking about when I talk about moralists. If, if you have if, if you think that your moralism is going to earn you points and righteousness before God, it's not. It's not. Your name is still in the books. And the only way to get it out of the books and into the book of life is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that, Lord, even when we are disobedient, you are kind to us. You're gracious and loving, patient, great forbearance towards us. And you desire that we change our minds, especially about ourselves. Help us to walk humbly before you and, and seek the righteousness of Christ, which leads to eternal life. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand as we close together.